I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Monterey Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Anderson. How is everyone doing this week? I'm doing better than the Mets. That's a pretty low bar. Same, same. <laughs> well, two, two of us are on uh, dog-sitting duty, I believe, me and Ken, so uh, that's a, that, that improves the mood infinitely, I think. Yes. Yep, King George is uh, making an appearance on this podcast for the second straight week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm take, I don't think I've mentioned Penelope on the podcast, but she is currently snoozing on... Oh, nope, now she's awake, snoozing on the bed behind me. Nice. Penelope, welcome to the show. Yes. I tried to find her a mess bandana. The options are very limited. Still working on inducting her into the fandom. She is intelligently resisting, though, because I would want to smart dog. Yeah, smart dog right there. Well, they're not getting residuals, just so they know. (laughs) They're on here for experience. Yeah, exactly. This is an intern. We'll be getting approximately one half of a chicken meatball. (laughs) that's, That's pretty good. All right, so promote, extend, trade this week. And on this date back in 1969, uh, a kind of low-level professional photographer named Ian McMillan, he took one of the most iconic photos in definitely music history, and I guess also like pop culture history, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, There was a couple of different shoots that they did, but... He snapped John, Paul, George, and Ringo crossing the street at Abbey Road, and that became the iconic photo that the Beatles used on that Abbey Road album. So, we are going to promote, extend, and trade iconic Mets photos in the, the 60 or so year history of the Mets. Oh, that, that's a good, okay, this one was good. Uh, I like this one, Steve. All right, good. So first up, we have Jesse Orozco throwing his glove up in the air and dropping to his knees after he struck out Marty Barrett, and the Mets won the the 1986 World Series. Next, we have Andy Chavez at the the apex of his jump, robbing a home run from Scott Rowland in front of the AIG strength to be their side. 
in Game 7 of the 2007 NLCS. 2006. Uh, 2006, excuse me. Oh, if only the Mets were in the NLCS in 2006. (laughs) And last but not least is Josh Tully basically jumping into a super-pumped Johan Santana's arms right before the rest of the team mobbed them after Johan threw the team's first no-hitter. You know, leading in that last one with the name Josh Tolley was a real curveball. It's like, Josh <laughs> Tolley? Who the fuck cares? Iconic Mets moment maker, Josh Tolley. Uh, the, the answer here is easy for me. I'm 100% extending the Andy Chavez catch. That should have been an all-time great playoff moment. That they didn't win the game is a tragedy. It's still just I know, awesome. it still hurts. Yeah. I could not believe that they didn't win. I, I thought for sure they were going to win that game. Yadier Molina had a 53 weighted runs created plus in 2006, and he's the person who beat the Mets. I mean, he wasn't even on. the good hitter, y- Yadi. Yet. No, he like, was. Mm-hmm. That was bad, Yadi. Ah, <laughs> it still hurts. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. That'll always be a tough one because I think they just win the World Series easily. Like, oh, Detroit just, sucked. Yeah, yeah, they were not a good team. Yeah, I'm extending Andy as well. Yep. I do want to say, though, the Orozco one, it's one of my favorite celebrations because that mm-hmm. glove goes up in the air, and it's just gone forever. Like, <laughs> just never comes back. like the the amount of force he used to throw that glove, it, it leaves, like, the, the, the camera, and it's just gone. It's and- somewhere floating, you know. <laughs> I mean, Maybe they're the, only, in the orbit of the moon or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's only three man-made or two man-made satellites to leave the solar system. <laughs> uh, Jesse Roscoe's glove is on its way to being the third. It'll catch up with the uh, uh, Voyager probes eventually. It's just he just launches that thing. It's very good. I did. I, I mean, Johan Santana being the the trade here. Probably it's probably just because Steve let in with. Josh Tolley, you know? <laughs> also, I don't think it's that good of, like, a celebration. Like, he no. just kind of pumps his fists and claps. Yeah. It's more like, oh, they threw a no-hitter, and, like, I don't really care what the celebration is, you know? Right, right, right. But the other two are, like, all-timers. The much better part of that is uh, the 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 calls, the radio and TV yes, calls. Yes. I think you hear, like, Ron screaming yes before he yeah. quickly mutes himself. Right, like the 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 audio of the no hitter is excellent. It has happened. Right, whereas the audio of Andy Chavez's catch is Joe Buck sounding like he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn Joe Buck. And then the famous call from '86 is not even in that game. Like, no, everyone thinks of Game Six. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Game Seven was kind of like anticlimactic. They were down though. They had to come back. Yeah, which is it's 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 almost it's pretty funny because like I would I would wager that the the game six error by Buckner is the most famous moment in Mets history, and it could have not mattered because they could have just lost the <laughs> the game after, and no one cares anymore. See, I'm know? a little I'm a little afraid that's what's going to happen to the Endy catch in another two decades, right? I like, think it's no, already happened. Yeah, like. Yeah, kind of. No one's going to care because they didn't win. Whereas if they did win that game, I'm trying to think of, like, bigger postseason moments, period. Uh, The two walk-off home runs to win the World Series, series, obviously, uh, Carter and uh, uh, Mazarowski. Thank you. Um, But, like... If the Mets win that game, the, win that series, and then win the World Series, that Endy catch is at yeah. least a top ten all time playoff moment. It might and be as, the best defensive playoff moment too. I like, think I agree. Like pure defense, like if we're just talking what that side of the of the game, mm-hmm. it might be the best defensive play, and just because the the, I mean, the degree of difficulty of that catch, it's harder than most home run robberies, like. The only one I can think of is um, Willie Mays going back to the playgrounds. Oh, yeah, that was in the playoffs, right? Yep. Yeah. The, the fact that that's the only comparison, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. But instead, because of Yadier fucking Molina, <laughs> going to be doomed to the annals of history. And it is funny that should be Hall of Famer uh, Scott Rowland is the one who hit the other 
is the hit the ball that Andy robs. Yeah. So like, if someone's gonna beat you and Scott Rowland does it, it's like, all right, well, sometimes good players beat you, but. Oliver Perez, seven seven innings of one run ball, right? Yep. Two thousand six is wild, man. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of of wild, um, me and Ken convened in the, in the wee hours of the the night last week to just basically rant and rave, and uh, you know, you Lucas and you Thomas were not around. So Thomas wasn't around, and I did, I did everyone the favor of saving themselves from the expletive-filled rant that would have started. <laughs> yeah, well, if you still have any rage inside of you, we, you go feel free to unload before we move on. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll hold it in so that we don't have to censor the entire podcast. <laughs> it's not healthy, just, just that why I hold it. <laughs> it's just so short-sighted, because, like, if they did what they were supposed to do and take some prep arms late, like they like when literally Brody Van Wagenen is has a more well thought out draft process than you, then it's a problem because we could we there's a lot of reason to not like what Brody did, but also he drafted Allen and then he drafted Barco late and he drafted I think someone else late too I don't remember, but he drafted people to protect himself in the event that Allen was like, no, this is, we don't come to terms. I'm hurt. Whatever happened. And in the event of this happening, like there was actual protection there where the Mets could have pivoted to those guys and they would be legit prospects in the system. And I don't know why they didn't decide to think about that or if they were just so confident in getting rocker or they were so caught off guard by getting, but it doesn't make sense because it's the same scouting. It just, the whole thing doesn't make sense to me. So. I know. It's it's just annoying. Let me put it this way. I was explaining it to my dad in the car today, like the way the draft work, how they fucked this up, etc. And his only question is, or the key phrase is like, as someone who doesn't know things, how are people in power, experts on this, allowed to make a mistake this egregious? Yeah, it's bad. No answer. There's no answer. Honestly, Thomas, I think you put it best in Slack, I think it was, when you said um, they didn't do something that people, like, noobs in OOTP know to do. Literally, I do that. When I draft high – when it says, like, very hard or impossible signing, like, di- difficulty because that's how they list the draft, you draft other guys later and then you figure it out if they say no because sometimes they do. Sometimes they just will not come to terms if you offer, like, $10 million because that's how the game is designed. But, like <laughs> – those guys are assholes, jeez. I know, gee, like, I know you want to go to college, but damn, you could just buy the college after the, <laughs> the thing, the bonus I'll give you. But, like, people do that. Like, that's just common practice of people who are playing a dumb video game. So, like, how does the person who is in charge of a baseball team not do that? Because I think the, the degree of anger would be cut in at least half if Rocker, if they said, yeah, the medicals were something we didn't like on Rocker, but we signed two prep arms in the 19th and 20th round that we didn't think we'd get. I mean, because speaking, of, speaking from a totally, again, being my usual cold, logical self here, spe- like, if they had prep arms, I would be sad because I wanted Rocker, but I don't think I'd be mad. It'd be like, yeah, I don't trust your medical department. I would have rather had Rocker, but at least I can justify what you've done. Because those are probably still top ten guys in the system because the system's terrible, which is a different story altogether. <laughs> Said but true. Like Rocker at his floor would be the fourth or third best prospect in the system t- today if he signed. Like even if he was hurt and had to have a surgery or whatever it is, because we'll never really know, I guess. Because the the ironic thing is he could go in three months and throw a practice pitch and tear his UCL and have been perfectly healthy today, and no one would. That would that's just baseball because that's pitching, but also the Mets would get exonerated for something they might not deserve. So. That's have to pay attention to, I guess, because I either the, the the Mets went out, quote unquote, went out by saying, "Oh yeah, we were correct in Rocker being injured," but then he gets hurt, and also it could be unrelated because that's baseball. Like every pitch could be a pitcher's last one before his elbow explodes because it's an unnatural thing to do, and he got ran into the ground at Vanderbilt. So. Uh. I'm interested in Thomas and Lucas's answer to this. Um, of known injuries, 
that could happen to an elbow, what would make you blow up this draft like this? So the problem is because of the way that they drafted the rest of it, there isn't one. Like, they got backed into this corner where now this draft is a complete waste of every of everyone's time. Like, if they had protection late and they were like, oh, his, his, his he got, like, Zach Wheeler arm and he's going to miss, like, two years and we don't know what it'll do to his development. Um, like I if he probably got, disagree, but fine, you know. You know what I mean? It's For me, it's because now this draft is so bad that they basically needed to – like, people were talking about the Mets having leverage, but they didn't. No, like, no, they backed themselves into a corner. They backed themselves into the corner by having no protection, and now Rocker could get paid at Vanderbilt if he went back. He's not going to because he's going to go professional, do something else. But Rocker has other options, too. It's less lucrative than $6 million. I mean, or, maybe not. He could probably go pitch in NPB for a year. Yeah, and or he could do that or something. And, like, maybe in three years it'll be that Rocker's elbow is actually a disaster and the Mets lucked out. But also... Now the $6 million is just gone. It's not like they could have done this and now they have $6 million more in payroll or they have $6 million more in the international free agent market or, you know, like now it's, it's just it's not, it's not gone. Uncle, Uncle Stevie had a nice dinner the other day. I mean, even then it's, it's just like back in the local economy. Teams don't do this. <laughs> like teams don't underspend their draft pool. That doesn't like, happen. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if they drafted the people late and signed them instead, they still get the comp pick next year. So yes, of course. they get everything. They they they, they get the second you know, pick they, that they were yeah, so they, they like, spend every penny that they have allotted for the picks that they actually made, and they get another pick, which is what they were which, they, like. They harped on that extra pick, which fine. I mean, it's going to help. In, in in a year, if this is a super strong draft, we're going to be like, oh yeah, it's nice that they're picking eleven and also like eighteen. Like assuming they don't they don't trade one away at from at this rate they might be picking eleven and twelve yeah and I mean like that would be crazy that would like, be that would be a huge boon <laughs> to the system but it'd be good but also um, bad I don't, yeah you, I don't you can't really sign any QO guys then if that's what you're you're banking on doing I know? mean the only one I could think of is Story right because I mean uh, some of the pitchers are probably going to be um, uh, the pitching QO market. candidates and um. um Anna is going to get a QO. Yeah, he will. Gossman can't. At the end of the day, like, yes, there are good options who aren't going to have the QO attached, but also you can't bank on getting any individual player, you know? Yeah, you you have to. Doing that leaves you vulnerable to not getting anything, as we've seen many, Mm -hmm. many times with the Mets. Circling back to your original question. Ari, like you said specifically elbow, right? So I, I, we had this discussion. I, I've seen many things suggesting it's elbow. Right. Yeah, no, no, I, all that's been like... Right. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with that point. I think there's enough evidence, and we've heard enough things to know it's an elbow. Point one, if it was like TOS, I might understand it, but that's a different debate. Is that elbow or is that shoulder? I don't that's remember. shoulder, right? Yeah. That's shoulder, upper body, not elbow. Point two, I've seen enough weird medical stuff just because of what I do to accept that there's a possibility of some really wonky deformity, something in there that could make, like maybe he has no UCL, right? If, yeah, if I was going to say, what if he has R.A. Dickey elbow? Right. 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 If that, if, like it would need to be, if, if that was the case, I could also understand this. Putting those two possibilities aside, in the realm of common elbow injuries, I cannot imagine one that justifies throwing away, what is it, like $1.3 million, roughly, mm-hmm. in draft capital. Assuming, it's something in that area, yeah. yeah like, there just isn't one. Um, because I'm, I've been uh, reliably educated that draft dollars are worth almost five times uh-huh. the amount. <laughs> And I mean, exactly right. It's not like this money, this money cannot be reinvested in any other productive way. If you, uh, well, that's not exactly true. You could, they could in theory take the $1.3 million and say, okay, it can't be spent on the draft, but we'll spend it in IFA, right? And we'll go, we'll incur overages, but that incurs penalties and it's less cost effective than spending it in the draft. And $1.3 million in Major League Free Agency gets you uh, something between fuck and all. 
Yeah, uh, it gets you like a guy who you probably option to the minors in like two minutes. So it gets you Albert Sam, Almora. Sam McMillan. Yeah. Sam McMillan. I mean, there you go. Right. That's what you get. So TLDR. No, no reasonable elbow injury would lead me to do this. Period. Yeah, like, and we'll never know, probably, because Boris is like, he's fine, and the Mets are like, his arm is Swiss cheese, so it's just going to be, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But if he's going to go pitch professionally soon, it's going to be, it's going to look pretty embarrassing for the Mets just because other teams have cleared him and stuff like that. It's going to be the Gomez thing again from the trade deadline Mm -hmm. in 2015, where the Mets were, like, worried about his hip, and he was just bad. He wasn't, like, hurt. (laughs) His hip never was in it. I don't think he ever got hurt for a hip. He had, like, some chronic hip stuff, but, yeah, it was never as bad as the Mets said. But, like, the the, the Mets blew up that entire trade, and it was, like, a good thing they did, because the trade that they made a few days later ended up being better. They lucked into that, but... Like, I don't really understand how the Mets medical staff was like, it is a disaster, and then it was fine, and I think that's the here. Like, I don't know how many other teams wouldn't have cleared him. I feel like most teams would have just gave him the money and figured it out, and the Mets were, like, making this weird point about it, but then they didn't protect themselves, so now they just... This is a bad system, and they've complained constantly about how they have nothing to trade from because they have no middle part of the system... And then they it's don't like add. This, this is how that happens. Yeah, in like addition to trading away everybody. This is and like happens. you want to trade away people for major league help because you're trying to win now, and you could spend out of that with the minor league stuff. Then that's fine, and I get it. And like, frankly, the Mets have been so bad for so long. I don't even care about that strategy. It's just when you have the chance to replenish it, and you get lucky by a top five guy falling to you at ten, you kind of have to sign him. Or you have to protect yourself, win a way to get other top ten prospects into the system, and they didn't. Yeah, like, you not need one like a Josh Wolf or something like that to yeah. be able to flip for something. Yeah, and then they didn't, and then now in the offseason and at next deadline, they're going to leak to Puma that, like, oh, the, the the prices are high and nobody wants our things. It's like, yeah, well, your fifth best prospect is, like, Jalen Palmer now. Like, <laughs> no, no one wants it. Don't you just besmirch the name of Jalen. Jalen Palmer's good, but he, he yes, yes, has yes. some question marks. I, I'm <laughs> but, joking, don't worry. No, yeah, yeah. But, like, if, you, if, if you're not trading Beatty, Alvarez, Allen, Mauricio, or, like, that might be it, then I don't know what you're trading to get much of anything. And that's yeah. not good for a team that's trying to win. I'll make I'll make one my my final point on this before I let Steve move us on. I assume to other things. Uh, I think I was the lowest person on Rocker here, both pre-draft and at the time of the pick. And I'm not vic- please do not interpret this as a victory lap. But part of that was because I was like he threw he's got guys throwing a lot of innings, and that's concerning. If you're going to set up the draft the way the Mets do, did. You have to have addressed that concern mm-hmm. already. You yeah. can't yep. come in later and say, oh, his arm's Swiss cheese. No shit, it's Swiss cheese. He's thrown a lot of innings. That's why I wouldn't have taken him in the first place. Like, like I've said many times on Twitter and here, um, if you're not comfortable riding or dying with the pick, choose Brady House. Yes. Right. Choose Cole. Uh, and, and again, not I'm not victory lapping. I would have – I'm – Oh, no, you're objectively right. If you if you weren't, if you, you know, if you if the fact of if medicals could change what you want to do with that money, um, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Especially He's and, and, and very don't easy. do it, especially in a case where there are similarly highly ranked prospects available, right? Like Brady House and Khalil Watson were also consensus top ten guys who were Met, other or available. In many places, time. were ranked higher than Rocker on people's boards. The site, I think we, we reference BP the most often. They had house higher, right? Like, yep. Easy. Don't do this. And then once you've done it, don't continue to compound the mistake. It, it, it <laughs> boggles the mind. They've made like seven different mistakes and kept compounding them. I'm, I'm going to leave it at this. Um, I hope the Mets enjoy choosing two safe college performers next year in the first round, neither of whom will be nearly the prospect that they decided not to sign here. Agreed. That's probably what's going to happen, yeah. Yep. Enjoy two Matt McLeans next year. Uh, Assuming you don't sign a, a QL guy and lose the pick. Uh, and that's all I have to say on that. I would say if the Mets do somehow 
figure this out and make the playoffs, they should not be worried about the QO stuff. Because then, objectively, you're yeah. trading your 20th something pick for an 11, and I would do that to get, I like, mean, I mean, Thor this draft players. is already a disaster. You know, that just makes that the process that they had, you know, because cl- clearly um, the medical issues, I think, whatever they were, made the pick next year more valuable than Rocker today in their minds. In their, I their just don't understand how you get dollar that. per war, you know, beta money ball, Sandy Alderson, galaxy brain shit. You know, that that equation is clearly what they were thinking, right? Yeah, it has to be. So, enjoy getting a worse pros- two worse prospects next year uh, instead of one good prospect this year. Mm. All right. Well, yep. I guess I guess something a little bit more happy, but not really. I guess I don't know. But first thing we'll take a quick look at this week are the Olympics. Um, Whoever's in charge of the Olympics, they added baseball back into the summer games after taking it out uh, like 10 years ago in 2008. So we had six games competing this year, six teams competing this year, the Dominican Republic, Israel, Japan, Mexico, South Korea, and the U.S. And in the end, it came down to Japan versus the U.S. And in the early hours of Saturday morning, Japan beat the U.S. 2-0 to win the gold. U.S. won the silver. And then the Dominican Republic beat South Korea 10 to 6 for the bronze medal. So in that final gold medal game, uh, former Texas Rangers pitcher Nick Martinez, he started for the U.S. And Hiroshima Toyokarp right-hander Masato Morishida, he started for Japan. And the Japanese got on the board first. They scored in the third when our old friend Munitaka Murakami hit a solo home run off of Martinez. And then later in the eighth inning, they added an insurance run, excuse me, when another old friend, Tetsuo Yamada, he singled, advanced a second on a fly ball, and then advanced a third and scored on a throwing error. So um, those are two guys, obviously, you know, we know and our our listeners should know. In terms of Mets, there are a couple of players, former players anyway. Uh, Scott Kazmier was part of Team USA. Todd Frazier. Was part of Team USA. Uh, excuse uh, me, Steve. That's Pride of New Jersey. Todd Todd Frazier. Excuse me. Tom Rivers' own. Tom's Rivers' own. Todd Frazier. Todd's River. Todd's River. Rename the town Todd's River. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, we had two former prospects, Ryder Ryan and Simeon Simeon Woods Richardson, and then we also had Eric Campbell. He was a coach. Oh, uh, there were no current, uh, you know, affiliate. Players. Same thing with really the other teams. Ty Kelly was part of Team Israel, and then there were a bunch of guys that played on other teams that, you know, maybe for some period of time played in the Mets minor league system, but I wouldn't really say were like known for being Mets or anything like that. So as a whole, you know, really it was just, I guess, Todd Frazier repping, repping the orange and blue. And I don't know. I'm happy that the Olympics that that Olympics put baseball back. Um, you know, I was pissed when they took baseball out of it just on principle, but I really don't care about the Olympics too much. And I think I prefer the world the, the, the World Baseball Classic to the Olympics. There's more teams. There's a better mix of current players and, and amateurs and prospects and everything. And I guess most importantly, it takes place at a time when like it doesn't really get lost in the shuffle. Like, honestly, I didn't even know that they were playing baseball in the Olympics right now until, like, literally a night or two ago. And I saw that, that, like, Japan and U.S. were going to meet in the finals. So, whereas World Baseball Classic, they do do Major League Baseball and, and whoever else is in charge of that stuff. They do a much better job of, of hyping it and everything like that. Yeah, it's just, it, it's easier to do that when the actual stars can play. Yeah. Like and also, just now, like they just can't, like they just can't right. stop the season for like a month. So <laughs> Bryce Harper could go play for Team USA, you know, like they do do it in Japan. And yes, but the U.S. is never going to do that here, right? No, no, no. And hockey does the same thing too, right? Yeah. They have the Olympic they break do. in the winter. Yeah, they would. They they would during Olympic seasons they would stop it and let the guys go play yeah. internationally, and then they'll come back. 
But also, there's like no one else. Like you would just be like trying out real rough hockey players there, and you'll just get killed by Russia, who stops their season. So. <laughs> also, it's kind of I don't want to say this is a fraud competition, but I mean, how do you have a baseball international baseball competition and Cuba's not even part of it? Like, come on. That's a really mm-hmm. fair point, honestly. Like, I I think that's just obvious. You know, obviously. Only certain countries with certain histories, whatever, play baseball. Most of the world does not. But you only have six teams. You know, nothing against, obviously, Israel, but, like, come on. It's like a 50% chance of getting a medal. Right. Thanks for showing up. (laughs) Pretty much. And they also only do one game, right? There's no – it's not like three-game series. We know that one game isn't really enough to – It's just kind of like round-robin. Format they play a couple of games and just whoever makes it makes it and then mm-hmm. that's that. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So now an update on our minor league affiliates and Syracuse Mets went three and three against the Rochester Red Wings and with the exception of two games one they won and then one they lost all of them were pretty low scoring affairs three one three one two one um so with those three wins and those three losses Syracuse finds themselves at the bottom of the standings in the AAA East Northeast Division um, but they are 29 and 53 instead of 26 and 50, so silver lining, I guess. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies, they took five of six from the Portland Sea Dogs and coupled with a strong week the week before when they faced the Hartford Yard Goats, they are now, believe it or not, eight and two in their last ten games. But even with this current winning streak, they're still 36 and 46. But that is good enough for fourth place in the 16 AA Northeast Northeast. And it is also worth noting that both our pitcher of the week and our hitter of the week are Rumble Ponies. Right-hand pitcher Adam Aller, he threw seven shutout innings on Thursday, um, scattering three hits, walking nobody, and striking out 12. And then center fielder Jake Mangum, he went 13 for 25 with three doubles, a triple, a homer, a stolen base, and had two walks on the week, five strikeouts, and seven RBI in total. The Brooklyn Cyclones, they went 3-3 three and three against the Hudson Valley Renegades in, I guess... Is, you know what is what is the new Brooklyn Subway Series with the Yankees affiliate, but yeah, it it's it's nothing. It's bootleg. First of all, Hudson Valley isn't even a physical place. I mean, it is what it isn't. The Renegades play in Fishkill. Fishkill somewhere upstate. I don't know. I'm sure it's nice. I'm sure the stadium is nice, but the atmosphere, you know, it just whole hum. Who cares when the Cyclones go up there or when they come down to Coney Island? When it was the Cyclones and Stallion Yankees, when they went against each other, the crowds were big, they were loud, they were legit stakes. You know, Brooklyn Sound, they, they, they snipe at each other. So, uh, you know, if you don't know, besides for the whole Mets-Yankee thing, there's also borrow pride at stake. I mean, you're going to let the fucking Staten Islanders invade your stadium and drown you out? Hell no. And for the record, yes, I live in Staten Island, but... I am Brooklyn born and raised and obviously a Mets fan and a Cyclones fan, so F that. When I say let's go Mets, 
you know, I literally say, let's go Mets, baby. Love the Mets. But anyway, that aside, with their three and three week, Cyclones now find themselves 33 and 49, which is dead last, fifth place in the high A East North division. So finally, that brings us to our St. Lucie Mets. Good old St. Lucie Mets who never let us down by being bad. And they weren't bad this week, but they did hardly play. There was a lot of rain in the forecast down in Florida, so them and the Palm Beach Cardinals, they only got three games out of the six games they were supposed to play. And then the other ones either got suspended or canceled completely. But in those three games, St. Lucie blew out the Cardinals twice. They won one game 13-6, and then they won the other one 12 nothing. And then they won a solid pitches duel, uh, 2-1. So with those three wins added to their season tally, St. Lucie is now 44 and 37, which is three games ahead of the second place Jupiter Hammerheads in the low A East. Oh, excuse me. Low A Southeast East. There's a very big difference there. Baseball America. They did a story regarding the most successful and the least successful teams in the minor leagues. Uh, obviously this is something we would have talked about at the end of the season when everything was said and done, but J.J. Cooper from BA compiled everything, gave all the numbers, context and everything, so we might as well talk about it now. And at the time that he wrote it a few days ago, the Mets had two of the worst minor league teams in terms of win and loss record in all of minor league baseball, Syracuse Mets and the Brooklyn Cyclones. Uh, and the only reason why Binghamton isn't on that list is because out of nowhere they got Hot and they are eight and two in their last ten games, but they would definitely, you know, we've seen a lot of Binghamton. We've covered a lot of Binghamton to know that that's not a particularly good team either. Uh, no, clearly Brett Beatty has just turned their whole season around. Hey, maybe. Um, so overall, the four Mets teams: St. Lucie, Brooklyn, Binghamton, and Syracuse are one thirty-one and one eighty-one, which is a four twenty winning percentage. So awesome, but nice. also not not awesome. <laughs> Only the Nationals, the Cardinals, and the White Sox are worse. Though They're I guess one three good farm systems. Right. Although there is a pretty big gulf between those three teams and the Mets, so I guess that's good. Um, the Mets run the, the run differential for the Mets teams is negative one fifty six, whereas the White Sox. Good? Well, compared to the White Sox, who have a negative three fifteen differential, the Nats who have a three fifty two differential. And the Cardinals, who have a negative 418 differential, so I guess 156 is pretty good <laughs> when you compare it to that stuff. Yikes. The Mets also have um, one of the oldest systems compared to the rest of baseball. The average age of everybody in the Mets system from top to bottom is 25 years old, rounded up from 24.96. St. Louis, they are the youngest with an average of 23.59, and the Minnesota Twins are the oldest with an average age of 25.13. The Cardinals have one of the worst systems and also have one of the youngest, and, you know, a lot of times there's a correlation because regardless of how good a player's possible long-term ultimate upside is, you know, younger players will struggle against older players. But the Mets, they're one of the worst and also one of the oldest and, you know. Not a great combo. Yeah, not not good at all. I wonder if that has to do with Syracuse being, like, ex-major leaguers and stuff, too. Like, their AAA team is basically like a taxi squad. Yeah. um, But it's also a taxi squad because they have no upper minors. Well, yes, of course. It's, It's both, yeah. Like, this is what happens when your system is, like, five guys deep. And, uh... And How about five guys, like, though? Like, even when PCA was here... Check, checks know. better. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't disagree. I, I disagree, actually. I like five What? Alright, we'll, we'll table this discussion for another time. <laughs> promote extend trade. Five guys, shake shack. That's actually a really good that's promote extend trade, and we should come back to that on a future episode. What's the third one? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's like... Uh, Whataburger? Never had it. Been there. Me neither. <laughs> okay, and then everyone's just gonna trade them. Fuck them. <laughs> but yeah, the Mets system, they're old, and they're not good. 
And not what you want. And I'm sure that the two, the the 2021 uh, draft class is going to drastically improve that, right, guys? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Related. Um, another story in Baseball America happened to publish this week that we we did kind of touch on and discuss conceptually at least last year when Major League Baseball cut off the rookie and short season teams plus a couple of other ones. Uh, the quality of minor league baseball in general, um, you know, part of the loss of of the season last year and everybody getting back into the group of things after missing a year. Obviously, that is going to have an impact on everybody's play. Um, yeah, but the the quality of minor league baseball this year just almost unanimously from scouts, executives from American League, National League, amateur, professional, just the quality is down. And, again, part of that is just missing the season. But also, you know, just like a a rising tide lifts all boats, the opposite is true. When you have fewer players, everything recedes, and the boats find themselves lower, and just the talent level in general goes down from a smaller pool of 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 players. So Kyle Glazer did research and across all four levels of full season ball, so triple A, double A, high and low A, walk rate rose from a nine point one percent in twenty nineteen to ten point four percent this year. Strikeout rate rose from twenty three point two percent to twenty five point six percent and fielding percentage dropped a little bit from uh, 0.976 to 0.974, and you know, look at the look at the numbers, look at the eye test. It's all everyone is in agreement that the miners are just not very good. Yeah, um, that's rough. I'm I'm gonna say that a few stat lines from the Met system now make sense. Mm-hmm. AAA is has been most affected because injuries as a whole are up on the major leagues um, as. Mets fans, we are well aware of that. And obviously, you know, when when a major league player is injured, the team calls somebody up from AAA. So that causes the AAA team to have to fill their holes by promoting guys from, you know, a level lower, or maybe the organization signs a guy that has been out of affiliated ball for however long and plugs him in. But, you know, everything... There's, there's a chain reaction, you know, that starts at the major league level. Um, so AAA is definitely affected most by that. AA was affected a little bit because, you know, guys from AA are getting pulled up to AAA when that happens. But for the most part, AA really wasn't affected too, too much. Um, and that, that's basically, you know, because AA was and remains basically the kind of proving ground for legit prospects and the guys that are the cream of the crop and you know as they say the jump to double a is where everything gets legit so the guys that have found themselves in double a and you know they they have the, the talent for the most part to remain there um low a and high a also have been affected a lot but not really because of what's going on at the major league level, um, but there are a bunch of reasons why um, some of the new rules, for example, uh, like the automatic ball and strike thing that they're using a low A, you know, that's a, a level where guys are still working on their control. So when you have an extremely <laughs> precise strike zone, guys that are still like learning how to hit the strike zone, they're not going to get generous calls by umpires or, or you know, things that are on the margins and borderline. Um, but I think that low A and high A, that is where the mass destruction of the minor leagues, that's where it's being felt the most. You know, a yeah. lot of the guys that a lot of the guys that lost their jobs, they were the kind of very polished, you know, low high floor, low ceiling, late round college guys. The guys, you know, that that got replaced, uh, excuse me, that got released. And those are the kind of guys, you know, they don't have bright futures necessarily, but they are going to win games 
in the here and now and have better fundamentals than the guys that are still raw but possibly more talented, you know, in the long term. The guys that would be in, like, short A, you know, Brooklyn back in the day or, or Kingsport when those teams existed in that capacity. And we sure we, we know that the Mets are, like, doing that stuff, sending their uh, very polished college hitters the Kevin Kesmarskis and the Patrick Mazekas of the world to uh, Kingsport and Brooklyn just because. But Is it? Do you think it's fair to say that uh, a big chunk, if not the majority, of scouts, executives, whatever, guys who watch minor league games probably have a lot of, uh, how to say, Keith Hernandez attitude? Uh, wherein they start seeing bad fundies and just go, and therefore, because we've lost all these nice, polished guys, their opinion of the minor leagues is just gone. I think that is a very good hypothesis. It's extremely plausible. I also wonder how many teams struggled with placement of players. um, That's true. And, like, guys getting pushed to level too high, and there's not really a level... They're probably like too good for rookie or like not, not good enough for a ball. So you gotta like figure, you know, like there used to be the short season to kind of give. There space. used to be like a level for everybody. Yeah, and level. now there's not like, like there's jumps. That, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, there's there's jumps that everyone has to make, and if you can't make them, if you're not ready to make them, you either stagnate in a level that you're too good for. Or you just have to grind through a level that you're not good enough for yet. And there, there were so many levels, but in 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 the minors, and it was sometimes overwhelming, especially for newer people who are just getting into it. And you're like, wow, this is like hundreds of players. But also, those levels were there because there was a level for every type of talent um, experience, really. Like short A did a thing. It was it was like a weird little three month or whatever it was thing, but. It helped bridge the gap between full season and non-full season, and that's gone now, and that that grind is a lot harder, I think. So dudes are just not ready for the level that they have to go to next because there's no other one. That is correct. And it's just, again, it's baseball shooting itself in the foot. We meant, you mentioned, I think you mentioned it, Thomas, about like difficulty of placement and stuff like that initially. That happened a lot less, I do have to say, or at least it feels like it anyway. Like, I thought there would be a lot more, like, hmm, we thought this guy could really, you know, hang in, in high A, but he really has to have been able to, so let's send him back down to low A, or vice versa, this guy's been really good, let's bump mm-hmm. him up, you know. I thought there would be a lot more of that, especially among like the second tier kind of background players, like the pros, the, the major prospects. Those guys have their developmental courses like not already preset because obviously you don't know how they're going to respond. But if the Mets say like, okay, we want Mark Vientos to stay in Double A all season, it doesn't matter how good or how bad he's going to be. You know, if they say. Then, you know, we want Francisco Alvarez to spend half of his season, you know, first month in, in Florida just to, you know, make sure he's set with oh, catching yeah. and then we're going to leave him in Brooklyn all year, you know, that kind of stuff. You have plans for those guys, but you don't have plans for the, 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 the organizational filler, I guess, or right, right. even back, even probably like from 11 to the back of your top 25. I don't think you have meticulous plans for every single player. No. Like, you probably have plans for the elite, elite talent in your system, which what's the Mets do with Beatty and Alvarez, like how they split their time and Mauricio being in Brooklyn most of the time and Vientos, I guess he's now a top guy in the system, being a double A the whole time. But like, like J- Jalen Palmer hit, so we got promoted, you know, like mm-hmm, exactly. I don't think they, they planned on him coming up now. I think it's just he proved that he was too good for the level he was at and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think it's really like I did expect more movement, um, more aggressive promoting and demoting when dudes clearly were not ready or too good for a level. But the Mets at least seem to have 
this was the roster and that you're going to have to stick it out and figure it out at the level that you're at. Yep. I mean, you'll always have like guys like, you know, relief pitchers or starters, whatever, like going up and down just based on organizational need. But other than guys like that, I mean, I feel like maybe like Cody Bohannick has been it at, at, at every level at one point and like Quinn Brody and Matt yeah, Lineker, yeah. like those, but other than those guys that are immediately jumping out, like it hasn't been like a million guys just being like, well, these guys are misplaced, so let's move them around. Which is good, I guess. That shows that the Mets kind of had an understanding of their players. and They had a plan, and our plan, uh, we like our plan. At least regarding here, this anyway. Caden yeah. Singer played in two different leagues this year. He started mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, and then he moved to Binghamton. And he's had a nice little season. He so. might be a yes. four. Yeah, he's he's definitely on my top 25 list, which is depressing, but... Well, one guy that will no longer be on anyone's top 25 lists is Adrian Hernandez, who was mentioned before, who voluntarily retired. So that sucks. Um, I never know why dudes do that, obviously, and we probably never will. But, mm-hmm. like, I hope it's not anything. I hope he was just, like, done with the sport and didn't want to do it anymore and nothing bad has happened, happened you know? Mm-hmm. The Mets were yo-yoing, yo-yoing him a bit, right, between levels, if I recall correctly. He also got was, like, getting demolished at the higher yeah. levels. He was. No, he did not belong in Brooklyn. Yeah. I, 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 look, it's premature to blame the Mets for this, but I wonder if that played a role. Um, it would certainly suck if he did. He had some impressive physical tools. Um. I hope he wasn't just discouraged from being put in a level he wasn't ready for and struggling. That was my initial fear, where they pushed him too hard to Brooklyn. He was like, I can't do this yeah, because he got, he got lit up there, which is something that you really can't do to your players. But that's setting them up for failure and then wondering why they failed. Mm-hmm. And then not joining him in retirement, but... His his counter I don't want to say his counterpart, but the two these two guys are very very often talked about in the same sentences. Stanley Consuegra, he's been hurt or whatever and been MIA for basically a month. So it looks like his season is not good. And circling back to what you said a little bit earlier about how you know making lemonade out of a shitty situation with Rocker investing the money in IFAs, sometimes IFAs just don't work out. Of course. If the are, draft if the draft is like a crapshoot, IFAs or whatever is beyond a crapshoot. Or mm-hmm. to put this in Steve Cohen's language, I think you could probably argue draft picks are work f- worth five times what we pay them. IFAs are probably closer to two, three. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty fair ballpark estimate. It's just like <laughs> projecting someone for 10 years down the road. Oh, no, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You could try all you might, and the kid might be able to do something. Like, you just never know. Never really know. Like, sometimes they're Vlad Jr., <laughs> and sometimes they just aren't. And sometimes they're Gregory Guerrero. Who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, nice. Good pull. Well, signing <laughs> signing Gregory Guerrero over Vlad Guerrero Jr. sounds like Volpanery to me. I don't think it was an over situation. Like they just got out. Like they yeah, like no, Vlad. I know. I yeah, know I'm pretty sure the the Blue Jays like were clearly going to get him. Yes, Vlad Jr. I know that the Mets were interested, but I'm sure that scouts from every organization were interested. So. Oh, sure. But I, weren't the Mets, like, actually one of the finalists? Or? Yeah, I believe so, yes. The two they the two they always get cited as finalists on are Eloy Jimenez and... and oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah, that one's older. That, that I didn't know that one. A way, back, way back, they got often cited as a finalist on Eloy, and then the Cubs got him, obviously. But that's always, like, you never know what the hell's going on. Yeah, of course. Of course. The Mets weren't finalists in Otani. Yeah... He I don't think he would have came the West here, Coast. Yeah, but yeah, even even like the the Mets in the world where they're giving three hundred million dollar contracts out, I don't think Otani even looks to the East Coast. 
No, I'm sure he doesn't. Maybe one day when the Mets, you know, establish a dynasty, 10 World Series in a row, on, on, the destination everyone wants to go to, but until then. Can I have a unicorn too? <laughs> sure. The, the Cleveland unicorns. <laughs> All right, so what is the Wilpony of the week? Okay, so I don't think – I certainly hope most of our listeners don't listen to Joe Rogan or his podcast. If you do, please listen to a different podcast. Listen uh, to our podcast. Yeah, you should listen to continue to listen to our podcast and then go choose something better with your time to do than listening to Joe Rogan. In his latest episode of spouting dangerous bullshit, Joe Rogan on his podcast said that vaccines are essentially driving COVID mutations. Now, in a very stupidly roundabout way, he's not completely wrong. Like when you apply the evolutionary pressures, things evolve. Mm-hmm. He definitely and, saw that, Lucas, like because uh-huh. there, there was a report going around about it and didn't uh-huh. understand the science and just said this anyway. Look, look, I mean, th- <laughs> you can think about evolution this way. If you have some stuff growing in a dish and you put some acid in the dish and then let it grow for a while, the thing that's going to come out of the dish is going to be resistant to the acid. It's just the way evolution works. Kills 99.9% of germs, Lucas. Uh-huh, and this is how we wind up with the uh, antibacterial crisis. Anyway, um... <laughs> Joe Rogan comes out amidst this – in a country where way, way, way too many people are not vaccinated as we're seeing the rise of uh, potential vaccine-resistant or evading variants and adds just another bullshit reason for anti-vaxxers to pull up when they say they're not going to get vaccinated. To be clear, get vaccinated. The, bad, the worst thing you can do is not get vaccinated and let yourself become a host for the virus. Because the more virus there is, the more chances it has to mutate, and the more likely it is we get worse variants. So if you're not vaccinated, go get vaccinated immediately and stop listening to Joe Rogan forever, please. Can we, cancel culture is supposed to be this like horrifically overpowered weapon. Can we use it on Joe Rogan at some point, please? The worst part about him is he has, like, such a following, and people, like, really listen. It's it's insane. Like, at least go – like, if you want to listen to some pseudoscientific nonsense that is at least somewhat grounded in reality, go listen to, like, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson or, or Bill Nye or something. If you want actual science, there's tons of actual scientists who do podcasts. Are you telling me Bill Nye is not a real scientist? He's actually an engineer. So I have a lot of respect for Bill Nye. Mm. Uh, but, like, he teaches popular science, right? So it, it's, it's dumbed down a little bit. But go listen to that and get your vaccine advice from those people instead of Joe fucking Rogan, a retired wrestler? What was Joe Rogan? I don't even know. I don't even know. He is does a fear factor guy? Yes. Uh, Way back in the day? He was. Yes, yes. A, a real incubator of great minds, the show Fear Factor. <laughs> Some of our greatest it's ideas. It's a great mind to, to eat worms. And tarantulas and the like. He's a comedian? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, it's, he was a stand-up comedian. What? I didn't know any of that. He did do Fear Factor, though, and he also was a color commentator for the UFC. So. Yeah, that's only what I know him from. Yeah, that's what I, that's how I was introduced to him too. Was the UFC? Look, this guy is in no way qualified to comment on like ninety nine percent of the things he comments on. And if he was responsible, if he was responsible with the amount of popularity he had, he'd recognize that. But instead, he does shit like this, and it just makes me insane. So you're telling me that the vaccine does not have nanobots? I'm going to let that protracted sigh <laughs> service my answer to that question. Okay. Well, if you want to listen to people podcast about things they don't know anything about, listen to Joe Rogan. If yes. you want to listen to people podcast about things they do know about, listen to our podcast. <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, or whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at ElvLahus343. 
Ken is at Ken1191. Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. What about Penelope and King George? If they need to be reached, how can they be reached? <laughs> uh, Penny has an Instagram. It's Penny underscore Pibble underscore Pebble. Oh, damn. My girlfriend will be very happy that I'm plugging her Instagram <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> King George um, can be reached uh, wherever the wind blows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what if, I if you have chicken meatballs? If you have chicken meatballs, that t- typically does the trick. He's now looking at me as if he expects a chicken meatball. He heard the words, Ken, and that's uh, it's over now. You've got to spell it out, Ken. You can't say the W word or uh, bath or T R E A T. Like you got to spell these things. <laughs> Might not matter, George. Uh, he loves food. Mm-hmm. Well. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, L O V E T H E M E T S. L O V E T H E M E T S.